The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. A few times that I've been here, I've been through the avenue of right effort, of wise effort, an aspect of the Eightfold Path, have been exploring the aspect of the uh, wise effort that is the cultivation of wholesome states. Wise effort has basically two sides of it. One side is the letting go and the um, um, noticing how unwholesome states tend to arise and letting go of them and creating the conditions which support their not arising. And then on the other side, there's the, the cultivation of wholesome states and the maintaining of wholesome states when they do arise. And so I've been talking about various different wholesome states, and today I thought I'd talk about patience. Patience is um, one of the... It's, it's within one of the lists, the Buddhist lists. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's kind of a later list. It's not a list that's actually found in the Buddhas, uh, in, the, in the texts, in the Pali texts, uh, the suttas. It is found in some of the later um, the later texts, that's a list called the Ten Perfections. And it's, it's a list of ten really beautiful qualities that are cultivated on our path. Qualities like patience, kindness, generosity, ethics, um, wisdom, energy, uh, resolve, equanimity, those kinds of qualities. So I thought I'd talk about patience today. It's a, it's, a, it's a quality that seems to resonate for a lot of people because I think our culture, well, we have a kind of a culture of instant gratification, so we're not very well practiced in patience. We're very practiced in impatience. So um, patience is really important in our meditative practice because... Um, the 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 practice takes time. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not something that when we sit down and just meditate for an hour that instantly you know we we figure our minds out and we're you know happy from there on out. You know, it's it's a it's a longer kind of road. And there's a Burmese saying um, that patience is the road to uh, freedom. Patience is the road to waking up, enlightenment. So I thought I'd explore this from the perspective of different ways that we get impatient because the different ways that we get impatient points to some of the different qualities of patience. You know, so what, what are the, there's, there's you know, different ways we can look at patience and uh, thinking about how we get impatient I think points to different ways that patience supports us. And different qualities of patience. So one of the one of the ways that we get impatient is when we are um, anticipating something pleasant to happen in the future. So it's connected to uh, a wanting, you know, some something that we want for the future, uh, uh, an impatience for some kind of result, basically. You know that we want something to happen, and you know, we can't wait for it. You know, it's like, you, 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 this is very natural, of course. I mean, you see it in kids, you know. They can't wait for holidays. They can't wait for the end of school. They can't wait for ice cream after dinner or whatever. I mean, it, it manifests in small ways and large ways. And um, so it's very, it's very uh, familiar to us, this kind of impatience. So if you just now sit sit here and think about or reflect into, feel into, what does it feel like when this kind of impatience happens? You know, if you're anticipating something pleasant in the future, how does it feel to you? What kind of qualities come up? Just anybody just call them out. I'll repeat them. An edginess, uh-huh. A little bit of agitation. Yeah, uh huh. Yep, uh huh. What what else? Uh, Abrupt. 
abrupt. So say say more abruptness. What do you, what do you mean? Okay, so okay, so that kind of sense, it's got to happen soon. <laughs> yeah, okay, so an abruptness, a kind of a, an ed, uh, again, kind of related to the edginess. Anything else? <coughs> so it manifests physically. Mm-hmm. Reaching, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> okay, uh-huh. anything else? Desperation, panic, and anger. Okay, so that... uh, Again, it points to that need to have a result. You know, it's like, I've got to have this. Um, Anything else? Any other... Uh-huh. So you can sometimes even get physical manifestations in the gut, for instance. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. So um, there's also the side of impatience or, you know, when you're anticipating, and maybe we could, we could phrase it this way too. So think about uh, something that you want to have happen and the kind of um, um, anticipation around that. Does anticipation have a different feeling to you than impatience? I mean, what, what's come to my mind is, is, well, I've had this tough day, and there's going to be this good thing happening. And it's going to result, like, you know, it's been a struggle, whatever's been happening. And this is going to be a shift, and, you know, in half an hour, that great thing's going to happen. How that is different than if the day's been going along very nicely, and what's the difference for me in terms of that anticipation? If oh things have been great, and oh there's another great thing that's going to happen. Uh huh. I'm not sure what it is, but there is a difference. So so uh, I'll just repeat. Um, um, since you weren't using the mic, um, that there's the the sense of if there's been some challenge in the day that the anticipation for something that relieves that challenge, um, uh, it feels different than if the day's been going along great and there's, you know, that and, you know, the possible anticipation of something, maybe the same thing, just different conditions leading into it and not quite sure how they're different, but noticing that there's kind of a difference there. Yeah. I think that maybe points a little bit to some of the qualities of, I mean, anticipation can have qualities of of expectation, of excitement, of eagerness. Um, that uh, you know, those those in at one level, we we have a, a belief or something in there that I kind of think thing pointing to what you said about if things are difficult, the the expected happiness, you know, the the anticipated happiness. Um, you know, it's kind of like there's a there's an anticipation of relief from the challenge we're having now. And, and so it, it feels pleasant to anticipate that. So there's a, there can be a pleasantness in this anticipation. You know, it's a subtler form of impatience in a way. But still there's that, that leaning forward, that sense of, you know, essentially what's happening right now is, is well, it may be okay or it may be a little challenging, but what's hap- going to happen then? That's really where life is going to start. <laughs> as soon as I win the lottery. As soon as I win the lottery, exactly. So, so there's... Exactly, yes. This is, a form of, this is a form of greed, essentially, this anticipation of the... The pleasant of the future, you know, this, this kind of thing. And so there are both pleasant and unpleasant aspects to this kind of uh, impatience. You know, there is, you, 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 most of you kind of uh, recognize some of the unple- unpleasantness, that leaning forward, that agitation, that tension. Um, and I think what happens for us sometimes is that we, uh, in anticipating, particularly in maybe smaller ways, the pleasant side of it obscures sometimes the uh, the agitating side of it. 
sitting here in this room, you were a little quiet and could feel, I think, more easily the, the, when I brought up the sense of, okay, you know, having, having uh, you know, this kind of anticipation or impatience, it brought up the, the agitation, it brought up the, the tension, the abruptness, the feeling of this is not, you know, I can't wait for that. So there is a, there is a kind of an unpleasantness to the impatience as well, but sometimes the, the anticipation for the thing um, obscures in a way, the unpleasantness. And in our practice, we get impatient for results. I mean, so there's the impatience for things to happen in the world, or kind of, you know, end of the day of work, or um, vacation, or uh, just having a quiet meal with friends. You know, there's, you know, if we have a really busy day, uh, kind of a looking forward to just being home in the quiet. So there's, you know, smaller and larger ways in which this kind of impatience manifests. You know, there's just, you know, the sense of, again, it's again, it's expecting some kind of result or, um, you know, sometimes we just don't even conceive that it may not happen that that thing that we anticipate won't come to be. I mean, we we... We live our lives with such routine that we have the sense of being able to reliably expect certain things. And so this, uh, this, this notion of greed kind of getting, you know, the impatience is basically around the impatience of greed, greed satisfying itself. So there's that, you know, okay, there's that pleasant thing and I'm going to get that thing. And so there's the, that kind of that pleasant a quality or expectation of, oh, I'm going to get that pleasant thing. And um, it happens so often in our lives that greed gets what it wants, that we, you know, we really, we, we, t- we really suffer when something happens and, you know, we get stuck on the freeway for in an accident or something and it's like, we don't get to do that thing. So, um, you know, that this, this uh, part of the, pointing here is that this impatience around results is, um, you know, to, to have a little more balanced perspective around result. That uh, we can take action to move in a direction. And this is where patience comes in. You know? So taking action to move in a direction to... Um, have some downtime or um, to um, you know, have a nice vacation or something. So we take action in that direction, but then not necessarily pin all our hopes for happiness on the accomplishment of that, of that result. And likewise, in practice, um, this form of impatience and, uh, comes into play as we, for instance begin to settle and learn what it's like to have some quiet and calm in our minds, um, we start to get impatient for more of that. <laughs> like, I know I can do this. I can just, you know. And so, you know, coming in, it's like, oh, you know, maybe I'll get that quiet sit. So, in, th- in reflecting on this, you know, kind of noticing this, the ways that impatience come into play in our minds, you know, it may be that very impatience of, oh, you know, oh, I, you know, I you know, work really hard to get this mind settled down. And um, it may be that very impatience that's the thing in the way of the settling. So, Part of the uh, the exploration to cultivate patience, to begin to cultivate patience, is to notice the ways that we get impatient. We just begin to recognize the the, Im- the even the small ways that we get impatient. So begin to again recognize how it feels and turn towards that feeling. Um, when we're focused on the result and getting the result. We're not so in tune with what's actually going on here and now, which, as you recognized, may not have a very pleasant feeling to it. That the idea of the pleasant thing is great. The feeling of wanting it and being impatient about it is not so great. 
there's a, a, a teacher in Southern California, a monastic teacher, Tanisaro Bhikkhu, uh, who writes about the patience of a farmer. And I really like this analogy um, because I think sometimes when we think about patience, we think about just sitting down and waiting. You know, that's a, a way that we construe patience, is that it's just sitting down and waiting. It's an inactive, it's a passive form of being. And Tan, Tanisaro Bhikkhu, Tan Jeff, uh, talks about the patience of a farmer being the patience of someone who knows the action that needs to be taken at the right time. It's not a sitting back passive kind of thing. So um, he says, he writes, his teacher talked about being patient like farmers. Those of you who've never lived on a farm, even you know that farmers don't have an easy life. They work hard, especially in Thailand where they don't have a lot of labor-saving devices. When the time comes to do what needs to be done, they have to do it quickly. In other words, when the rice grains are ready, you have to harvest them quickly before the mice get to them. You have to take care of them quickly. Winnow the rice quickly before any late-season rain comes to spoil it. So it's not a matter of being slow or casual, this patience of a farmer. The patience of a farmer is the sort that knows you can't plant rice today and expect to have the grains ripened tomorrow. It's going to take time, and during that time it's going to require work. So it's a kind of... um, an active quality to patience. Um, that, especially in our practice, you know, that we, we do take action. We, we um, come to groups and sit. We practice on our own. We cultivate these beautiful qualities that we've been talking about. We practice mindfulness. We practice calm. We practice um, concentration. We we cultivate these qualities. So the patience is not in just settling back and saying, oh, it'll come when it comes, but to take action and to not have the sense of, I have to have it now. To, to have the patience of, of watching things unfold in their own time. Um, so this is patience with result. And one of the keys is continuing to persist in what needs to be done even though it doesn't feel like much is happening. And so the persistence of the farmer, you know, just that day-to-day, you plant the rice and uh, you go out. If you go out every day and say, are you growing? Are you growing? <laughs> you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be kind of frustrating for you. There's a cute s- story um, frog and toad that one of my friends likes to uh, read and it's uh, you know the, one of the two um, is very patient and the other one is impatient and, and the, um, one of them suggests well, why don't you try gr- growing flowers you know you could you could um, you could have a beautiful garden like this and so the, the I think it's toad goes out and plants the seeds, and he's out there every day. Are you growing? Are you growing? And he gets mad at them, and he yells at them, and, he, he, um, uh, and, he try, and then he realizes that's not working, so he tries standing over them with an umbrella when it's too hot and, and reading to them, and, and, and he's just, like, so frustrated. And finally he just falls asleep, and then uh, and when he falls asleep, they finally start to grow. And <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, we can't make things happen. And this is true in our practice, too. There's kind of an, a natural, organic unfolding of our practice. And, you know, it's like if you're going there, like saying, grow flower and pulling the flower petals open, you're going to destroy it, as opposed to just allowing the flower to bloom in its own time. Would you use the, use the mic? I knew a fellow one time who uh, would honk at a red light. Uh, is that on? He would, there we go. Yeah, it's on. Okay. <laughs> he would honk at a red he light. He would honk at a red light. He would just become obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And that's getting to the next one. You know, the, basically there's, there's two sides to impatience. Yeah. There's the impatience of wanting something 
in the future. And in that situation, it could either be that he's so anxious to get somewhere that he's honking. Or it could just be that his his sense of um, just having to sit still is so agitating that it feels unpleasant to be in this present moment. And that's another way that we experience impatience is the unpleasantness of the present moment. We're impatient to get over that. So I'll get to that part in just a moment. Um, um, so this, this aspect of patience um, points to persistence in this aspect that we've been talking about of patience for results. It points to persistence of just keeping going with what needs to be done moment after moment, day after day. Another story in the suttas I like that um, uh, points to a different aspect of this kind of persistence and patience is um, a a teaching story the Buddha offers around a hen sitting on her eggs. And um, he says that suppose there were a hen with eight or ten or twelve eggs which she had not covered, incubated, and nurtured properly. She'd not done her job. Even though she wishes, oh, that my chicks might pierce their shells with the points of their claws and beaks and hatch out safely, yet the chicks will not be capable of doing that because the conditions are not present for it. So the wish for a result doesn't happen unless the action to take care is in place. Then on the other side, he says, suppose there is a hen who nurtures her chicks, who, you know, who, who um, incubates them, covers them properly. And then he says, even though she does not wish, oh, that my chicks may hatch out safely, still they hatch out safely because she's taken the actions. So the desire, the wish for the result is not necessary for the result to happen which I think is an interesting kind of perspective on this, especially with respect to practice. We simply take care of fertilizing the ground, of nourishing the soil in our practice. We take care of our awareness. We take care of these beautiful qualities. We follow wise effort, which is essentially the kind of core. You know, we, we let go of things that create suffering, that create harm, we cultivate things that lead us away from harm, that, cre- that, uh, that lead us away from suffering. And that very, that's moment by moment, if we simply look, is this action leading me to happiness or suffering? If in this moment we just do that, that's like the, the hen covering her eggs, incubating them properly. And the results will happen. We don't have to wish for them. So the, um, as we practice cultivating the wholesome, the skillful qualities of mind and letting go of the unwholesome, unskillful qualities of mind, initially it feels like there's not much happening. <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, it can feel like we go a long time before there's any sense of a... Uh, a shift in our practice. And so at first it feels like a little more than just simple active will is going on. But as we do practice, we do start to see small changes perhaps. Even small things give us encouragement, you know. We see a conversation shifts and because we're aware and we maybe don't speak in a way that we would have habitually. And there's a little more ease. And it's like, oh, wow, there's a difference. There's something happening, something changing. Or we sit down in meditation and we find, you know, we're not as, as, as uh, latched on to our thoughts. You know, the thoughts kind of come through. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a thought. And it's easier, it starts to be easier to let them go. And we're not quite so caught up in the ways our, our mind habitually um, moves towards frustration or anger or greed. So we, we begin to notice some small results. So the persistence begins to yield some fruit, essentially. 
not perhaps the ones that we've been hoping for. But if we're open and receptive, we can, we can begin to see some of the fruits that come from the practice. And this, in turn, nurtures that quality of persistence, that quality of patience with the practice. So patience, as we cultivate this, leads to a deeper kind of patience. So then this, this other kind that I'm, we just t- touched into, the, the impatience with something unpleasant happening now. Um, so in a way, this is the, the, the first one I was talking about is the way impatience comes about from greed. And this is more the impatience that comes about from aversion. So something's happening now. I don't like it. I want to get rid of it. And I can't wait to get rid of it. So this, this kind of impatience, I'm really familiar with this kind of impatience. This, is, this one it has happened, happened a lot in my mind. And I see it in really tiny ways. You know, it's, it's, it's really helpful in our practice when we see a pattern that comes up over and over again. So, you know, impatience for me is a pretty big pattern. And at one point I just began, you know, looking at it and... You know, I noticed that there was some of this other kind of impatience around, impatience for something positive. But for me, a lot of it was around this impatience for getting rid of suffering. You know, I just can't stand being in this place. Anywhere else would be better. And I began noticing in this exploration that there are a lot of tiny ways that it comes up to. You know, making my bed in the morning. If the cover gets stuck just a little bit, it's like ah, a little flash of impatience. You know, it's like it's great to notice those kinds of things, because the the more we can notice them as they're small, then the the more familiar we get with that feeling of that sense of impatience, and um, when we can pick up on a an arising of a unwholesome state as it comes up, it's much easier to begin to let go of it or to turn our minds towards the wholesome quality that's in, uh, on the other side of it. So we can, you know, noticing that small moment of arising impatience. Take a breath. Slow down. <laughs> See if we can do this without, you know, going, you stupid cover, you know. Just simple. Keep it simple. So it's really helpful to recognize, in terms of cultivating patience, it's helpful to recognize this kind of impatience arising. So impatience is happening. We definitely see this kind of impatience in larger ways in our lives um, around, um, you know, a justice, you know, where where there's injustice in the world, or, um, um, you know, just just the sense of, you know, this is not right. You know, and there can be a kind of a self-righteousness that comes with that. You know, I know I'm right, and this is not right, and it has to get changed now. So this is, again, there's an impatience with result, too, around getting rid of unpleasant. It's the, the result of getting rid of the unpleasant that we are impatient for. So there is that, there, again, there is a kind of a... Um, the sense of it has to change. It may It may be less that we're anticipating the pleasant of some positive thing, but we are potentially anticipating the pleasant of this unpleasant going away. And so there's that impatience for that as a result also. So this kind of patience, the kind of patience that can rest with the suffering, the struggle of the moment, points to the qualities of patience that include um, forbearance, um, endurance, self-control. So it's related, this aspect of patience is related to a tolerance of difficulty. Patience under insult, sometimes it's said. So this kind of patience like the other kind, can have an active quality to it. It doesn't have to be a passive, you know, forbearance, again, kind of has sometimes a feeling of passivity. But it may not 
It doesn't have to be that kind of patience. It can be a very active patience. Um, this patience with the tolerance of uh, unpleasant struggle, suffering. And Martin Luther King, I think, was the... He, he spoke so beautifully about this kind of patience and, and how it is intimately connected with love. So I will read you a section of his speech. Um, his 1963 speech about love. And he's, he's basically talking about the philosophy of, of love here. There's another thing about this philosophy that says you can stand before an unjust system and resist it with all your might and yet maintain an attitude of active goodwill toward the perpetrators of that unjust system. So it goes on to it goes on to say that the ethic of love can stand at the center of the nonviolent movement. Theologians would say that that this is the love of God operating in the human heart. When one rises to love on this level, he loves every man. He rises to the point of loving the person who does the evil deed while hating the deed that that person does. I believe this is the kind of love that can carry us through this period of transition. So in many instances, we have been able to stand before the most violent opponents and say in substance, we will meet your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We will meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will, and we will still love you. Throw us in jail, and we will still love you. Threaten our children and bomb our homes and our churches, and as difficult as it is, we will still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our communities at the midnight hours and drag us out on some wayside road, and beat us and leave us half dead, and as difficult as that is, we will still love you. But be assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer, and one day we will win our freedom. We will not only win freedom for ourselves, we will so appeal to your heart and your conscience that we will win you in the process, and our victory will be a double victory. So this is that patient endurance of the process of change, essentially. So this is taking action to affect change and yet being patient with the process, patient with how long it sometimes takes to change. And this is true in societal systems, it's true in our own minds just how deeply ingrained the ruts of our patterns and habits are and how much patience it takes to over and over again be with these challenging patterns, turn towards our frustration, our anger, our annoyance, our aversion, our our greed, our agitation, our boredom, our confusion, to turn towards it and to not have the agenda to, to, with patience, bringing patience to that, the agenda doesn't become when will this go away or when will I get past this? The agenda is more how can I understand this? How can I, what can I learn from this? This is in our own transformation. So that the, the shift is, is not, um, is, is, a, is, again, it's to let go of the impatient for, impatience for results. So this patience, this kind of patience around difficulty of things that are unpleasant to struggle in the moment, I think is not what we would call a tolerance of that um, aversion itself. It's not saying, oh yes, this aversion is fine. It's, you know, it's, it, it, I mean, it is saying, I can meet this aversion. I can be with this aversion. It's saying, I would like to learn from this aversion and to be patient about how long it takes for change to happen.
Um, one of the German scholar monks um, uses the phrase, this is from Nyanaponikatera, those who know him, we aim for a peaceful penetration of the irrational regions of our mind. I think this is a beautiful expression of, of patience. We aim for a peaceful penetration of the irrational regions of our mind. So it's nonviolence. And this points to Gandhi as well. I mean, Gandhi and Martin Luther King both had this sense of, you know, nonviolence was at the core of their uh, movement for change. And in a sense, what we do in our minds is nonviolence as well. Gandhi had this phrase, non-passive, non-violent, non-cooperation with injustice, with injustice. Non-passive, non-violent, non-cooperation. And in a sense, this is what we do with our own difficult states of mind. We are not passive when, um, when suffering arises. We turn towards it. This is not a passive act. The, the, the meeting with mindfulness is not a passive act. The being with. It's bringing a sense of kindness and love to that experience. It's nonviolent because it's not hating it. It's not meeting that aversion with aversion in turn. It's more of an open, accepting sense. And then non-cooperation because the cooperation with uh, aversion essentially would be oh yeah let aversion do its thing you know we don't we don't go there we 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 worked towards um, being with as opposed to allowing those energies to run us to make our decisions for us and then there's a, another form of impatience a kind of um, uh, impatience with uncertainty. I think it kind of spans both of these realms in a way. Um, um, that, you know, there's an... Imp- the, the, the impatience for something pleasant, the impatience to get rid of something unpleasant, there's usually something kind of more specific going on, you know, this is the thing I need to get rid of, or this is the thing I need to have. And this impatience around uncertainty is kind of like, well, what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. And there can be a kind of a sense of, you know, impatience to get on the other side so that we know what's going to happen. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know that? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So, you know, uh, for instance, at the end of one of my first, at the end of my first three-month course, um, the last couple weeks, oh my gosh, there was so much impatience for me because it was like I had no idea kind of what was going to happen in the future. There was a lot of uncertainty both around the ending of the retreat and the unfolding of my life going forward because, you know, three months is a long time to sit in meditation. It's like I was impatient to see, well, what's happened to me out there? You know, <laughs> And just that kind of so there was, there was the uncertainty, you know, there's just this uncertainty and there's a lot of impatience around it. Um, so this is another way that uh, we experience impatience. And this, I think, brings up another aspect of patience, which is that, you know, uncertainty is actually a very deep truth. We, we don't really acknowledge it or meet it that much. I mean, we... Um, we, th- we create our lives in such a way that there is an illusion of certainty. You know, that we, we believe, oh yes, you know, I'm leaving today, I'm going to drive to IMC and I'll get there and I'll teach this class and I'll talk about patience and you know, here I am doing it. It's like it confirms, it confirms that I knew what I was going to be doing this morning. Um, and yet there's always this inherent uncertainty you know, I might not have gotten here, you know. You might have just been outside, locked out. I might be, you know, stuck in some freeway or, you know, even in a hospital somewhere. Um, we don't know. And that's a truth. The uncertainty of life is a truth. 
And so this, to me, brings up another aspect of patience, which is basically acceptance of truth, acceptance of things as they are. Again, not, not necessarily to say, accepting, accepting things as they are doesn't mean um, either agreeing or disagreeing with it. It simply means it's like this right now. It's already like this right now. And, and then perhaps beginning to move forward to, okay, what, what are the steps I can take from here which will help me to cultivate wholesome qualities and let go of unwholesome qualities? So this is this, uh, this notion of accepting things as they are. It, it connects with the deep truth of the present moment. And this, this um, serves us when we are impatient for getting rid of something unpleasant. The truth of the moment is there's this unpleasant situation happening. What's going on with it? How can I meet it? So that, that kind of deepens us into that sense of acceptance of this is what's happening right now. With the propelling into the future, you know, the uh, anticipation for something pleasant. Well, right now, this is what's happening. You know, maybe the best way I can get into the future is to actually be with what's happening here and now. So as we um, begin to touch into this quality of acceptance, I think it really points us to the how deep patience can go for us, the depth of that quality. Acceptance is the quality of mind that doesn't resist what's happening in the present moment. It also doesn't mean that it's just sitting passively by, waiting for something. It may mean that very active patience of a Martin Luther King, of a Gandhi, of a farmer, So the very thing that is kind of um, feels like either we have to get to be happy or that we have to get rid of to be happy, the very thing that we're impatient about, turning towards that, that boredom, that frustration, that annoyance, that eagerness, that excitement, that anticipation, that agitation, turning towards that is actually the very point of the unfolding of our path. It's the very place to meet life is with what is actually happening right now. That's the only thing we can meet. It's all there is in a moment. That's it. So to learn how to meet that skillfully we begin to trust that, and, and trust, I think, is another aspect with patience, that we begin to trust that meeting whatever is happening in the most skillful way we can, what unfolds will be heading us in a direction of kindness, generosity, ethics. It'll be heading us in a direction of um, all of these beautiful qualities that we've been exploring. So, any any other thoughts or comments? Yeah, Arthur. And so I, I I was thinking um, as you were speaking just now about the uncertainty of and how that creates impatience. Yes. And um, control, the sense of controlling things is, is, is um, for me, a way of dealing, trying to deal with the uncertainty. Yes. Uh, managing things, organizing things, um, have, you know, organizing people and the way things happen is all about impatience with, with, the, uncertainty. Uh, with uncertainty. Yeah. With the unknown. 
And again, you know, it's kind of an interesting paradox in a way. It's, it's like, you know, that dealing with that uncertainty doesn't mean that we don't do that organization, but it, it does mean that we acknowledge that what we're doing may not have the effects that we hope it to have. <laughs> so, so there's, um, again, it's that, it's that, uh, I mean, the uncertainty is that we, we just don't know. We really, really do not know. And um, if in that, so the control aspect, you know, is kind of trying to, you know, endlessly go against the grain of that inherent uncertainty. And, you know, it's okay, it's okay to do those things, to, to, to try to create some structure, some organization in our lives. I mean, we have to, like, you know, work and go shopping and buy our food and cook our food. I mean, th- those kinds of things are also, you know, they're the form of, they can be related to in the form of, I need to have control over my life. And they can also just be, what's the most skillful thing to do right now? So that's a, it's kind of a different, a different uh, attitude that we bring to what we do. It's not so much that the things themselves have to change, but the way our mind is relating to them is the, um, is the exploration. You know? So is this kind of activity of doing motivated by fear of some unpleasant outcome or motivated by greed for some pleasant outcome or is it simply, what's the best thing I can do right here and now? What's the most skillful thing I can do? How can I meet this moment with kindness, with compassion, with mindfulness, with the qualities of, with, with um, ethics? How can we meet it ethically, non-harming, bringing these, these beautiful qualities? And, and that may include, you know, so we go shopping and we bring these qualities with us to the store. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> several weeks ago I was in Phoenix and one of the things I did there was go to a witness or demonstration at Tent City where hundreds of suspected undocumented Um, people are incarcerated, detained is the official word, um, in something called Tent City. So they're in the desert, the temperature is 110 degrees in the daytime, and they're in tents. Um, It seems pretty brutal. But I have been stewing about what this meant to me, to just be there for a couple of hours with a large group of people as a witness, and I think I understand, thanks to your talk mm, today. What, can you, can you um, yes, state can. it? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I think in per, it, it's a very complicated, this is one aspect of a very complicated set of problems for our nation, for our society, and for the people who are close to the border with Mexico. So patience is one of the crucial qualities, it seems to me, for trying to address that. Mm-hmm. Knowing that whatever I do or someone else does will not by itself, but, you know, or even the 2,000 people I was with will solve the problem. Yes. And, um, and the second thing that, that you really pointed to is that while patience is valuable here, inaction is not valuable. Yeah, I mean, the, the, oh, there are different, different times. Yes. You know, sometimes inaction is what is needed. Other times, real, you know, we need to, you know, take actions. But the patience is, like you say, it's it's complex set of things. And, you know, any one action may not be 
it. We may not see the results from one action. And if we are you know, thinking, well, I did this thing, I went into the desert, and I'm not seeing any change, well, what's the point? You know, it's, we don't know. You know. We don't know how our meeting and that witnessing, I think that's beautiful, that sense of witnessing there. You know, we, don't, we don't know how it will impact things. You know, so that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I've known for a long time intellectually that this mind has a pattern of jumping from uncertainty to dire and kind of theories about how that's a way of avoiding the uncertainty, making certainty. But this, this really, it reinforces my aspiration to know that pattern, mm. to, to sit with that pattern kind of more closely and more experientially. That's great because, I mean, the, the, um, um, the pattern of, you know, uncertainty, you know, that, as I said, that is truth. You know, it is truth that it is uncertain. And um, there's, there's a kind of an emotion of uncertainty that feels something like vulnerability that is itself, I think, not necessarily an unwholesome feeling. You know, that the heart can be open in meeting that uncertainty and feel that vulnerability and not clench around it. Um, the clench around it begins to come around the feeling of, I'm not secure. You know, so that, um, and then, and then the, the, the self starts jumping in and trying to figure out, how can I make myself feel secure? This is not acceptable to have this feeling of vulnerability. So the more comfortable we can get with being with that feeling of uncertainty and vulnerability, um, the more um, we can see we can see this, the the movements away from it. You know that that and the the movements away from that start small, but then can quickly move into the the, the dire, as you say. Um, so the more comfortable we can get with that place, the more we can start to see ourselves lean, oh, this is not okay. That's a feeling of not okay. Yep, that's what's happening. This feeling of, okay, just can I be with that? And, and sometimes we can actually touch into the, the open heart that can be with vulnerability and recognize that, you know, this is actually okay. This feeling of vulnerability, it's Okay. For a moment, we may be able to touch into that, and then there'll be a clenching around it again. So, yeah, just that exploration. Yeah, thank you. And we need to stop, so thank you.